Listeners, hello, it's Greg, and I've got some more news before we get into the latest episode of RPG Fans Random Encounter, so uh, let's go take a listen. First of all, Tina Ola has done a big spring bonanza special of crowdfunding chronicles, uh, first of its kind, and hopefully not the last, where we've got a bunch of cool games in here. We have Invasive Recall, which looks like a neat point-and-click cyberpunk sort of jam, circa LucasArts. We have a game that I am delighted by, Odd Fauna, Secret of the Terror Beast, which is just delightful little creatures farming on the back of a giant beast. It looks super pretty and super dope, so go check that one out. Uh, the Spanish Privateer, which is a, <laughs> a pirate visual novel, basically. If you like Spanish doubloons mixed in with your tales of love and romance, then uh, go check this one out. And finally, an awesome-looking strategy game called Tyrant's Blessing, which is looking really polished in its really kind of simplistic presentation. Looks like it's going to be a fantastic game, and it's finishing up pretty shortly too with its funding period, so go check it out. And then we've got a slew of reviews, a couple of which we talk about today. Sega Frontier Remaster came out two weeks ago as of this recording, and it's looking really neat despite it being a saga game, you know, how Jono feels about that. But uh, Patrick Gann, uh, we all know how he feels about Saga, and this is probably one of the best versions of the game if you're willing to give it a shot. Now's the time to do it. Speaking of things that Jono does like, he reviewed Judgment, and his Judgment is overall pretty great. If you like Yakuza and you like Ace Attorney, uh, this is kind of a happy marriage of the two, so go check that one out. The latest from Capcom's Monster Hunter series has hit the Switch, and it is looking stellar. I don't know. I was I was not going to be on top of it, but now I'm seriously considering it. Anyway, Des Miller gave it RPG Fan Editor's Choice, and it's shaping up to be in a fantastic entry that carries uh, some of the best things that I guess was done in Monster Hunter World forward into this one. Bravely Default 2, we've talked about it a lot on the podcast, and Mike Solosi's review has dropped. And yeah, he was pretty high on it, as you couldn't tell from our conversations. Just great traditional JRPG great job system great game and then another recent release near replicant version 1.224744871139 is just a delightful reinvigoration of this game it's so esoteric and weird and definitely not for everybody but alana loves it and uh was a big fan of it even despite its flaws so go check out her review to see the finer points of it and another RPG fan editor's choice in this round comes from Audra Bowling's review of Steam Prison, a great-looking visual novel that's, you know, a little, bit, a little bit edgy and mature if you're uh, looking for something a little bit more serious. But it's uh, just, yeah, a beautiful game in, in every way, shape, and form, according to Audra. So have a look at her review if you're looking for a top-quality visual novel to sink your teeth into this summer. And finally, the HD remaster of Shimagami Tensei 3 Nocturne is on the horizon, and it's shaping up to be pretty great. Uh, Isaac Parsons has taken a look at it for us, and so far his preview that he dropped on it is, uh, is boding well. He's still pretty early on, but he's remembering all the things he loves and why this game is uh, deserving of this star treatment. So go check out the preview and see what he's got to say. And that's it. Those are the latest things that you should go check out over on the website. In the meantime, enjoy listening to episode 213 of Random Encounter.
What up, sports fans? You're back here with Greg and the gang on Random Encounter number 213. Uh, no sports or anything on this one. And it's not April Fool's, so who knows? But I'm just being silly. I need someone to have a slide whistle here for just this moment. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. If Solosi was here, he'd do some fun animal sound effect or something. As always, uh, I'm your host, Greg Delmage, joined by my charming cho host, co host, John O'Logan. Hey, everyone. I've spiked my tea. I'm a little silly, apparently. Uh, and you heard some lovely voices of Hilary Andreff. Hello. Alana Haggs. Hello. And we have Brian McKenzie joining us once again on the episode as well. Hey, hey. So yeah, we're here to talk about some RPGs, and thank you everyone for joining us today. It's going to be an episode full of some new games and an oldie, but uh, I think a goodie? I don't know. We'll get into that in a moment, but how's everybody doing? Uh, I have limited use of my left arm right now because I got my first shot this morning. Bam, bam. How was that? Uh, it was actually really, really easy. Um, I don't know if anyone's been paying attention, but Canada has some vaccine difficulties, but my area opened up for, uh, 35 plus because I live in a, uh, a very, a hotspot. So, um, an apocalyptic COVID wasteland. <laughs> yeah. So I booked and uh, I don't know again, if anyone knows, but there's a Canada's Wonderland is Canada's foremost theme park, and uh, it's been closed since last year, but they have now reopened it as a drive-through COVID-19 vaccination site, and it is listed as COVID-19 Vaccination Wonderland, which is... <laughs> oh gosh, which, I, which I love. Anyway, no, you just I just went up, and I went through, and uh, they gave me a shot in the arm, and I came home, and I felt fine, and uh, then progressively, as the day has been continuing, I've been getting more and more tired, and uh, I can no longer lift my arm above uh, my shoulder. Super fun, and uh, we'll see if you're still with us in an hour on the episode. I'm sure I'll be fine. I secretly want Disney to do the same thing now, so you can just go up, and Mickey's there, just like, ha ah! stabs <laughs> you with a needle. <laughs> and, like, tr like com combination, like, trauma for the child, but also, like, good. Like, it would just be a lot of mixed messages, I feel. Trauma for the child, but good is definitely a mixed message. But yeah, trauma and good may come up later on today. This is for your own good. Be safe, kids. It's a great idea. They get um, they can incorporate it into like the rides. You could just get on like Pirates of the Caribbean, and they're dressed in pirates, and they. There's <laughs> nothing wrong with pirates. Yo ho, yo ho! Vaccination for the jar. Be ready for a little right. stab. <laughs> I'd be more willing to get, like, injections if they were all pirates doing them as a pirate fan. Like, go get your vaccinations, kids, but I don't like needles, so that would be extra encouraging for me. You'd want to avoid the haunted mansion, though. That'd just be scary. Oh, yeah, I'm a big crybaby. I'm not good at haunted <laughs> mansions. Ooh, haunted vaccinations. See, I'd go to the haunted mansion. I feel like the pirates have sanitation problems. <laughs> Ooh, okay. Yeah, now that- yeah. Just instead of hooks, they're all, like, needles. And... Ooh. Jeez. <laughs> Uh, we're making a real uh, horror show of Disney now. At any rate, how's everybody else doing who's uh, not vaccinated at the moment? Doing pretty well. Um, it's break, at least for my school job, for this week. Um, but then I've got a lot of work next week, so just kind of trying to take a break before that. And you just came off of a big, cool uh, conference uh, that kind of like crossed over with gaming and such. I did. It was the uh, Applied Geek and Gaming and Therapy Summit. It was a lot of fun. What uh, kind of, you know, just give uh, our audience just like a general kind of idea, breakdown, like what that is. And um, is there stuff that people can, who possibly it speaks to, they can go back and check out the resources who may have missed it? Yeah, sure. Um, so it's put on by a group, um, basically a mental health therapy group um, that kind of specializes in using 
like nerdy hobbies like tabletop and video gaming in mental health therapy. Um, so that's kind of how it got started. I think like Tetris was used a long ago for like therapy and has been like a longstanding game that was kind of first recognizing the applications of that or something. And maybe even before that, but that's one of the Yeah, there have been think of. A, f- a few definitely as time has gone on. Um, virtual reality too, especially for- Oh yeah, I guess it'll be a big mm-hmm. market now, yeah. But anyway, so they kind of started this group. Uh, it was their first year doing a conference. So it was m- mostly like social workers, therapists, a few other therapeutic disciplines like music therapy and me, occupational therapy, all just kind of sharing topics we wanted to educate each other about. So I did one about mindfulness activities using video games, um, a lot of RPGs. Oh, nice. <laughs> Most of my examples were RPGs. Um, and just kind of like breaking down what to look for and kind of how to build uh, a mindfulness activity. And then I did one on adaptations that you could make to the environment for tabletop or video gaming, like if you have a client who's playing, you know, or just so that the mental health professionals can kind of recognize different adaptations that their clients might have to play games. So it was a lot of fun. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that sounds really awesome. And and again, if anyone uh, wants to, uh, I guess, track down the information, do they have a site that has like any of the recordings from it? Or was it a you had to be there kind of thing? Um, yeah, the conference is called TAGS, T-A-G-G-S. Um, you can look it up. And there's a media pass that I, I think you might still be able to access um, that gives you access to the recordings, but the panels mostly are recorded. And for uh, those of you who d- haven't uh, seen it or didn't know, um, Bob Richardson and uh, a bunch of people on team did a special feature back in 2011 with RPGs as therapy, how RPGs make us better. Yes. And then there was a recent one too that we did a second one. There was uh, a more recent follow-up. In 2018 or 2019, was it? Oh, it was, was it last, last year? year. Well, it was yeah, that's right. Very necessary. Yeah. The time when everyone really needed it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And we had that. a podcast. Up. We actually had a, a mental health podcast episode to go along with it. Yeah. It was a retro episode. It was the, about this time last year. It's called Mental Health, uh, Self-Care, and R- um, RPGs or something like that. So just go and check the retro feed. Yeah, as uh, the pandemic kind of is still sticking around a bit, some folks may still want to revisit all of these resources, and I definitely recommend them. I mean, as my wife is going through her own mental health struggles through issues she was having at work, like it's so clear how important mental health is to just your daily functions and how much it can just really mess you mm-hmm. up when mental health and emotional health is just out of whack. Oh, it's, 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 there's been good days and bad days, but it's definitely hard to, to just see how badly it can bring you down. So folks, take care of yourselves. Listen to us be goofs. Go play games as therapy and just take time. It's okay to not be okay and take time for yourself. That being said, uh, fun games to talk about. Uh, I guess we'll turn it back over to you uh, in a moment there, Hillary. But um, just quickly, uh, Brian and Alana, all's good in your lives? Yeah, we bought some supplies for our pet lizard this week, and it came with a surprise lizard-sized felt hat. So that's been the <laughs> highlight of my life. That's amazing. Oh my God. Uh, also, to clarify, by uh, them, Brian and Alana did not buy lizard stuff together. They're very different parts of the world. <laughs> <laughs> I, I lumped I, you both I, together. I wish I had a lizard. <laughs> but uh, that is amazing. What's the felt hat look like? Give us a, a, an image of like what kind of lizard you have and how the hat looks. It's like a like a cone with a little fuzzy thing on top, and it's purple. Are you going to make it into a wizard hat? It, it kind of already is. <laughs> like I just have to add little stars to it, and it. You just need a matching wizard. Perfect. perfect. Yep. And then a lot of how's life over uh, on the other side of the world. Oh, 
pretty good, yeah. I have nothing exciting like lizard felt hats or like <laughs> um, conferences. I have, unfortunately, to follow on from a conversation from last episode, um, uh, the 14 bug has come back and I'm finally back playing very hard. Oh, you hit Stormblood, right didn't now, you? Yay. So. I'm in Stormblood now, and I was literally uh, an hour ago just doing Alexander raids. Um, so yeah, I'm very behind everybody else. So it's, it's fine. okay. But yeah, John and a great I haven't even started. And... <laughs> <laughs> don't, but also do. That's my advice to you. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how I managed to be around fourteen for so long and still be in the middle of Heavensward. I'm interested in what's happening. I really need to get on it. It's. Yeah, it's time. It's a real commitment. Like, yeah. I'm I'm fortunate that I have the time at the moment to do it. Like, I've just had the last two weeks off work, so I'm really lucky, and I've been able to put in the extra time when I haven't been playing video games for coverage, um, which we might talk about today. Uh, so, yeah. Now that I have a family and a home to take care of, I definitely appreciate how much time I I don't have for games anymore. But then I go and do silly things like play like. Star Wars Rebellion from 1998 for like three hours a night when I could be playing <laughs> relevant games. But I find I finally beat that game for the first time after my friend introduced it to me back in like 99, 2000 or something like that. And I was like, I finally understand the game nice. and understand all the concepts that I didn't when I was like, why do I keep getting destroyed by the Rebellion or the Empire, depending on whom I'm playing? But for the first time, I saw the planet being taken over thing when it wasn't happening to me. I was doing it to them. It was great. And I won. Have you tried using the force? I hear that helps. Uh, it did. It did. It did. I finally understood how that works in that game. And yeah, anyways, if anyone hasn't played Rebellion, I love it. It's just such a great, weird, niche little management game because you're literally just shuffling around windows and like there's no real like game except when you fight in space. Um, you're literally just telling people to go do things and just waiting for them to report back. Like you never see any of the action. You just kind of like envision it all. It's it's such a weird niche of a of a management game, but I loved it. And my Star Wars nerd is very happy with it. It sounds almost like a city building game except Star Wars with fights. Kind of, but like not as hard as like, um, oh shoot, I'm blanking on the name of it. There was one that there was a click command and conquer that they did afterwards that was more oh. RTS. But this oh, one is yeah. literally just like you have a windows with planets and you just bring up windows upon windows that you can minimize into like a side thing. Like it's like a ver they it feels like the developers made a version of Windows 3.1 and then just slapped Star Wars <laughs> into it and then built the mechanics through that. <laughs> but then also there's like a real time uh, 3D space battle whenever you do enter into space combat. So that's pretty neat and exciting and it's very strategic. But otherwise, all the rest of like the galaxy management is literally in just like a bunch of like windows. It's magical. <laughs> uh, anyways, current games that are RPGs. Uh, Hillary, you're playing, well, I guess it's not entirely current, but Hero U launched back in July of 2018. But now in February 2021, it came to the Switch. And it's a roguelike, I think, uh, given the name. Um, not exactly. It's more okay. Like it seems an, like it is, but <laughs> it's more. Well, it's interesting. It's more kind of like an an old style point and click adventure with some kind of RPG ish. I don't know. Not battles. at all as expecting from the name. Um, and right. Well, the the name is interesting, and I'll get to that. Um. So it's yeah. The game is Hero U Rogue to Redemption, and it's based off of the old Sierra Quest for Glory games. Which, oh, nice. Um were pretty interesting and RPG-ish and there were three kind of well actually four pathways you could choose through those five games there was like a fighter a thief a magic user and a paladin which was the most difficult one to get so they uh Laurie and Corey Cole after a long while um decided to kind of reimagine and make a new game set 
in that same kind of universe, um, but they they focused it in a school for heroes and specifically on the rogue class. Oh, so that's, okay, that's I understand. The name. And I appreciate mm-hmm. Hero You because that like almost could have been like a Wii U game, but not. Yeah, they right. did. They just decided to skip over that very <laughs> obvious marketing and just wait for a, a later Nintendo console. <laughs> well, I think it was. I think it took a while for them to get, you know, all the resources and everything they needed to together to continue. Oh, okay. If I'm remembering correctly, it took like it was in the works for a while. Was it independently funded? I guess because yes, it was. It was independently funded with uh, two Kickstarter campaigns, along with private savings, loans, and outside investments. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was about to say Kickstarter, but I wanted to check. To yeah, be I feel like I remember hearing sure. something yes. about it. But okay, cool. Anyway, yeah. Sorry. So I mean, you basically you play a Sean O'Connor who is a rogue. Um, he is in the middle of actually. He gets assigned to steal a lucky coin from a house, um, but then a mysterious stranger kind of chases him down, and he ends up at Hero University in the Despard Bards class <laughs> because officially, there's, yeah, there officially there can't be a rogue class in the Hero University, and that's kind of actually the whole theme of the game is can you be a rogue and be a hero? That's also such a missed D and D opportunity. Where they always called them X bards, yeah. like whatever the X class was, they should have just call them disbards. That's just, anyways. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> and sorry, yeah. So that that sounds like a yeah, a really neat hook, I guess. And so yeah, how's that play out? It is. So it plays out over fifty in-game days, and your day-to-day life is actually a little bit graphic adventure, a little bit kind of easy turn-based RPG. Um, you have a bunch of skills that you basically perfect by spending time doing activities related to the skills. Um, one of my favorite things from the original games and this one is your stealth increases if you sneak around the school. So I just spend a lot of time tiptoeing and the animation is pretty funny. From class to class. <laughs> yeah. I guess it's like how they do it in Elder Scrolls. Like you just end up just sneaking everywhere even though you don't need to because you want to up the skill. Yep. Uh, what's, is it like the classic like um, like Scooby-Doo like tiptoe thing? Oh yeah, say? definitely. <laughs> With the hands in front. Do, 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 yeah. Do, do, do. Um, so, and it's interesting because I think the game does a really good job of guiding you without holding your hand too much because your, your instructor is pretty helpful. Like, he's arranged his class so that you will have certain skills at certain levels by certain points in the game, but you can progress a little bit faster if you level up certain skills ahead of time, but they always kind of make sure at least those benchmarks are met so you don't get stuck and how does that work um like as an adventure game like i get the idea of like controlling yourself to kind of sneak uh, around and mm-hmm. i do appreciate as i mean jano's talked about this and as those of us who've played them know a lot of adventure games can be a little uh, opaque in their guidance and you can get very lost so that's nice to hear but like i just <laughs> i just imagine you again like classic adventure game clicking on everything to make everything work like, is that the same thing where you're just, like, lockpick on everything to try and get better at lockpicking? Are you just trying to steal from everything always yeah, so there's yeah. options to so, interact like that? There are, there are usually more than one option, but for interacting with, like, different things to up different skills. But it is, unless you're actually, like, going through a dungeon and kind of in battle, it is very much kind of like a point-and-click okay. interface on the Switch, which took a little getting used to. But it was pretty... It ended up being pretty smooth. And then the dungeons, you... Basically, you're walking through in the same way, but if you run it, if an enemy catches you, then it kind of just turns into a turn-based battle oh, okay. screen, essentially. So it's like a happy blend. Yeah, it is. It, I'm impressed it 
how well it all kind of works together. Although it's also to be expected because there are already five games that kind of already use that formula. But it's it's still I'm glad it worked out so well on the Switch. Yeah, I was gonna say. Um, I mean, obviously you can imagine and know how it would handle on PC and or Mac uh, on computer systems. Uh, do you? Is it well optimized for the Switch? Do you think people will be better served to go back and play the original? I think it's well optimized enough that I don't mind playing it on the Switch versus a computer. So I think that's saying something. Because normally I think I'd have a pretty strong preference for playing yeah. a point-and-click game like that on the computer. So That's saying something. And yeah. did they add anything extra with the Switch version? Or was it just a direct port that just they wanted it portable and it took its time? As far as I know, it, it seems pretty gotcha. direct. Uh, and so, yeah, uh, have you have you finished it then? Because I know you're reviewing it. Have you gotten through the whole story yet? Or I'm pretty close to getting through the whole story. I'm like in the last couple week or so, something like that. It's always that last week of school that just crawls. Yeah, by. exactly. It sneaks uh, up on you. But I guess the other thing I'll say about it is the characters are pretty good overall, and I really like how there's more than one way to kind of solve the problems oh, that come up yeah so for i don't want to spoil too much but i'll just say that one of your classmates ends up getting trapped um in the catacombs under the school did you do it as the rogue and no they they actually (laughs) were being especially roguish and that's why they got trapped they were looking for treasure um but you have the option of rescuing them yourself or there are actually two or three other options that you can undertake to get help or get him out of there in different ways yeah that's nice because, yeah, uh, again, so often there was usually just kind of one way around it for a lot of classic adventure games. And if you couldn't figure it out or figure out which three or four items to mash together to make the item you needed or at the right spot, you'd just right. get locked. You're stuck. <laughs> so that's nice to hear that they've broadened the horizon. And so, yeah, I guess it sounds like it a is. gameplay loop, but it's, yeah, it's the characters in the story. I guess that's what keeps it going. Yeah, I would okay. say so. Because it's nice. The school year, I would say, kind of has a little bit of a flow. Like there's always a different thing to learn or a problem that comes up that you need to solve and the stakes kind of they keep getting higher as you go throughout the year i appreciate that aspect of like fire emblem three houses and like trying to go through the school year structure and such and socializing in between and i guess that's the same for like uh persona and stuff too so it's kind of neat that they've applied that yeah it's a little bit the same way here because you do have little like friendship meters with all the different characters and some of them you might not even meet in a single playthrough because you can pick different elective classes, oh. but if if you're not doing well enough in your, you know, disbarred bards class, you don't get to. So there's a chance you'll m- not have time oh, to meet one of, at least one of the professors on your first Does that mean there's multiple endings then too, based on, I guess, how well you do in school or what you activities you do or don't do? That's actually really... <laughs> I'm trying not to spoil myself. Oh, gotcha. Myself, so you so have actually... a lot of like, research of their thing. Gotcha. <laughs> the okay. endings yet. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm guessing there are some little differences, but based on what I know from the other games, my my guess is that a lot of the main things are going to be the same. With there might be some differences based on what you do. And sorry if I'm hogging all the questions. If anyone else has questions they want to throw out there, uh, go for it. I do have more questions I can ask. But how many puns are in this game? Um, a lot. Don't don't play this game if you don't like puns or kind of like silly humor. Oh, Greg, it's made for you. I'm in. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say yeah. I really, not so much a question, but like, I really like that um, idea. Like, you can have, you can meet different characters on different playthroughs based on your elective. So, like, you were saying, Hillary, that like, depending on how good you are at a certain class, like, that also restricts you from seeing certain characters. Is that 
Am I understanding that right? Yeah, you are. So I'll just give a concrete example. Um, if you do really poorly on your first test, uh, that locks you out of like an entire elective course. So you'll only be able to take two out of the three elective classes. Ooh, so what elective classes are you doing at the moment? Um, I'm doing the science elective, um, which is, yeah. So the Quest for Glory series, it's it's mostly kind of your standard fantasy setting. But Laurie and Corey Cole are huge like sci-fi fans as well. So there's an entire group of people <laughs> called scientists. They're kind of your standard like mad scientist Love types. It. So currently Dr. Von Braun is teaching me how to make explosives and, and traps, um, which is useful in dungeons. And so, yeah, do those electives translate then to skills you can get? Yeah. So the one I did before this was first aid with one of my favorite characters. She's like the paladin infirmary um, head lady and so she teaches you she which items you can collect for healing and how to make healing potions and bandages and stuff she protect but she also attack if you don't follow her rules or if you're undead yes (laughs) that's a good paladin yeah no i'm really interested because like I grew up playing a lot of point and clicks and adventure games and like I certainly know from those older ones like the kind of opaqueness and the randomness of them is sometimes really frustrating. Like, it sounds like Hero you uses it to a different like in a different way and to a different advantage. Is this like new to this one or is it the same to all the other games in this like loose series? You know, I I think the quest for Glo- it is an update I would say to any of the old quest for glory mm-hmm. games. Like it's it's way nicer, streamlined, easier to to navigate, but it also doesn't feel too easy. Um, that was not a slight on adventure games. Like I love them. <laughs> I love how ridiculous some of those puzzles can get. But sometimes, oh I mean, yeah, they're frustrating. I'll I'll say it. <laughs> they're, they're delightful but frustrating. It's a wonderful concoction. I'd say there's a little bit less of that frustration, but depending on how much of a you know completionist like oh i have to do and see everything it it could still i could still get up yeah there. i can see if you want to yeah find every nook and cranny be a lot of playthroughs and a lot of fumbling around clicking on things i'll tell you what i find the most fascinating thing about the game is the creators uh lorianne yes. and Corey cole these two are amazing like first off they're kind of sierra royalty i guess they were not royalty but they were like they were programmers, developers, directors on not just Quest for Glory, but like King's Quest, Space Quest. Uh, yeah, they did it all. They they really did it all. But also they look like they, even before they designed Quest for Glory, they, the original, they were like, I'm just, I'm looking here. Uh, they uh, published The Spellbook, a role-playing game newsletter that was like, like in the 1970s. They after after they left Sierra, Lori was writing a book called How to Be a Hero, and they kind of changed it and they made it into almost a text adventure uh, browser game. And then that is what grew into Hero U. I'm I'm not surprised to hear that. I also recently learned that there was like a whole giant book series planned around the Quest for Glory series, which interests me as someone who finds video game novel adaptations pretty interesting i've always been looking for a a really good book about sierra just because unlike a lot of video game companies especially in the 1980s and 90s like two of their two of their biggest uh developers uh uh cole and Mm -hmm. uh, roberta williams you know they're women uh who were running like large parts of the studio who made some of their biggest titles and at the same time they're also the publisher of the (laughs) leisure suit larry series and there's also Jane Jensen in the yeah. mix as well, who's an author and just 
Yeah. yeah. It, it just seems like they gave a lot of opportunities that a lot of video game companies weren't willing to at the time. And then also Al Lowe. <laughs> <laughs> He's there too. <laughs> For better or worse. <laughs> I'm just saying that they got their start with a video game that was a text adventure called Soft Porn. Wow. So, Yes. Anyway, uh, I've I've actually wanted to play this game for quite some time. I just haven't really found the time yet. And also, Sierra uh, Point and Click Adventure games were never quite my jam. Mine were always Lucas Arts. Stiff competition. Mm-hmm. Stiff competition. But what my question is, uh, the difference between Sierra and Lucas Arts were there were always a lot of fail states in Sierra games. Like you could back yourself into a corner and you get a game over screen, and it would bring you back to your last save point, mm-hmm. um, and you could die. Uh, whereas you couldn't in LucasArts adventure games. Can you die in Hero U? Can yes. you reach a point? Okay, so you can reach a point where there are fail states. You you can definitely die and fail at a few different points, but it is it is not like the old Sierra games. Um, in fact, even in the dungeons where, you know, you're most likely to die, a lot of times you will actually get rescued. You will end up completely in bandages in the infirmary and the paladin lady will be scolding you. And she'll always say that, like, oh, your classmate found you or one of the professors found you or something. So only at very specific times, if you do pretty clearly wrong things or make wrong decisions, will you actually get a game over? The staff here seems way more competent than, like, at Hogwarts, for example. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to say yes. <laughs> they are. Even if one of them is a mad scientist. You can be a mad scientist and still care about your students. It's true. I mean, where's the next generation of mad scientists going to come from if it's not them? Someone's got to carry right. that alchemic torch. Yep. Someone's got to be the grad student working forever under the other med scientists. <laughs> uh, the broken uh. system. At any rate. Yeah. It's, I just like, I, I mean, I haven't, I don't know if um, Quest for Glory had like those elements of uh, like combat and stuff. And again, I'm not super familiar with a lot of them. So they, they had party battles. Yeah, they did. They were very real time. Even the old games. Yeah. Uh, my only question before I moved, we move on. Cause uh, no one else asked was these friendships you have with everybody. Is that more story purposes or can people join your party or are you just fully solo in your combat and adventuring? There isn't a party system per se, but you definitely learn. There are benefits to having kind of like a higher friendship standing with people like you'll learn information you'll get pointed toward things that you might miss otherwise Uh, you'll get more details about things and it makes more sense when you're at those points where other your classmates or the professors will help you i think it'd be really funny if uh i mean clearly you're doing okay but like if you were not making friends and not doing well if you just like died in the dungeon no one does find you like you don't end up in the infirmary just no one cared (laughs) oh god that'd be so sad (laughs) Wow. None of your classmates cared to come Aww. look for you because no one knew you existed. The greatest power uh, was friendship. Exactly. <laughs> uh, well, thank you. That's. I'm glad you, you found that. I mean, I don't think it's... I hope it doesn't say too much about the fact that like I, I don't remember hearing anything about it and I don't even remember hearing about its re-release. Uh, but I do... It, it sounds really compelling and I hope by the time you get to the end of the game, you'll have a clear idea of whether this is a series that they'll continue or do more with uh, other students in Here Are You or whatever. Yeah, I'm I'm really hoping. There have been kind of hints that they want to do the other, you know, classes from the games. So like a magic-centric one and a more battle-centric one. So we'll see what happens. But I would, even where I am now, I would definitely at least try the others <laughs> if they were to hypothetically come out. Yeah, I'm a little bit hopeful because... It's been about, it's been, like, I remember, like you said, it came out two years ago, but it just got a Switch port, which means they're still working on it. It's being released on other platforms. Mm-hmm. 
uh, there's still some movement. It's certainly not dead software. So hopefully they are able to uh, get a little bit more traction with it. Because I agree with you, Greg. This game did not get a massive push when it came mm -hmm. out. And it's still not getting a massive push now. And it's flying under the radar for a lot of people who I think would yeah, really enjoy like, it. Do I pay for the marketing or do we pay to port it to Switch? <laughs> oh, last thing I want to mention about it is I actually think there's some... There's Speaking of it not being dead software, I actually think there's a little like summer vacation dlc thing that is going on right now for oh, amazing yeah i mean it's it's definitely still active and being worked on the main character is sean i just want it now to be like complete like uh subversive fan service where it's just like him in like a uh a speedo the whole time that'd be great uh just um, and like where does he keep his daggers <laughs> uh, fantasy medieval speedos so. uh oh no no i have to mention it um there is a set of silly armor that you can get, but it's it's not a speedo. It's it's all panda oh, themed. Oh, <laughs> and it, it's it's funny because it gives you serious bonuses if you're in battle, but if you wear it around the school, your classmates will give you so much grief, <laughs> <laughs> tell you how silly you look. What? No way! Yeah, if, like, if one of my school friends came in wearing a panda outfit or panda <laughs> stuff, I'd be all over them. Like, what are they doing? I don't yeah. Know. I wouldn't be making fun of them. I'd be like, well, there's obviously a story here I'd like to hear. Yes. <laughs> also, isn't this supposed to be a school for heroes? Like, they have a lot to learn if they don't know. You equip the strongest armor regardless what it looks How like. How it looks. Exactly. Yeah. This exactly. rogue is the only one who knows in this entire place. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, that does feel pretty 101 level <laughs> for uh, yep. a hero course. Do you take the chain mail or do you take the panda costume? Keep in mind, the panda costume has plus 10 to strength. Exactly. Yeah, we can all learn from the uh, the cutesy characters of the uh, the Mana series who wear things like Moogle costumes and duck hats as per their armor. I really wish we could see more of those. I just waddling around a little Moogle costume because it's better armor than, say, the Dragon Helm. <laughs> I'm gonna cast this really really potent elemental magic while wearing a duck hat. Right. I think it's it's appropriate. What's also appropriate is letting other people talk about their games by making smooth segues like this. Um, <laughs> Brian McKenzie, uh, you were playing Seg Frontier Remaster that came out on my birthday last week, uh, as per this recording, but as per the release two weeks ago. Um, yeah, how's how's that holding up? Is it worth going back to? Did you play the original? I guess is my first question. I did not play the original. Um, the only saga game I've ever played was... When I was very young, um, I accidentally bought the Saga game on <laughs> wait, no, Game no, Boy no. Color because I thought it was Final Fantasy. To be um, fair, that's the only way that I would actually play a Saga game, too, is if I accidentally bought it. That, that also sounds very Saga-esque. I accidentally bought this game. Definitely. <laughs> but yeah, uh, when I heard about the remaster, uh, I was interested in it. I love um, the old graphic style that you don't see a whole lot in games anymore these days and there are a lot of things that i that i like about it before i kind of get into uh i have some complaints too but i wouldn't be surprised starting with the stuff i like when i go back to a lot of these older jrpgs i, I always feel like they're kind of fake open worlds like when i play old final fantasies it's like we have an overworld but really there's only two places i can go <laughs> yeah. uh, and saga really is an open world uh, as soon as you get to the first major city, you can go anywhere else and do any side quest in the game. And I think that's neat. And uh, and I also think that the game is very esoteric. Yep. And in some ways, that's good. It's, it's fun to discover certain things. 
like the ro- there's robot characters that get their stats basically entirely from what you equip them with. And you can equip them with just about everything. So I really liked seeing, like, what parts made the robots good. That was fun. But sometimes it's also esoteric in very bad ways. I would say that the monsters, one of the other character classes, uh, is one that I enjoyed far less, where every time you defeat a monster with a monster, you can drain a random ability from it and then transform. And what you transform into is based on what skills you've absorbed and what your base HP is. And your base HP goes up by four every time you absorb a new ability. And none of this is explained in the game. They just kind of give you a monster and they're like, Sounds like a saga game. Mm -hmm. So yeah, not big on the monsters, uh, but I am big on the robots. So, you know, you get the the good with the bad. I like that there's a bunch of characters to recruit. You know, it's to say I'm a big Fire Emblem fan and it appeals to me there. Even if I'm not going to use the unit, I like having them in my roster. So it's fun going around talking to people, figuring out what you need to do to to the make them puzzles. team up with you. And I also like the... I think this is a new feature in the remaster, uh, but I'm not 100% sure on that. The New Game Plus feature, where you can carry over your levels, items, etc. from one character to another, because there's eight characters in this game, um, each with a different storyline. So to beat the game, you beat the game eight times, basically. Okay. That's like Octopathy. And yeah, yeah, like Octopath. And if I had to start a new game every time, uh, that would be very hard for me. I, I don't know if I could do the grind eight times, but if you get to start with some of your stuff, it's it's a lot more palatable. Yeah, that's fair. Now, the problem with the eight characters is that I would say of the four that I've done so far, the stories kind of range from bad to okay. And I've heard that said even about Octopath. But so. it, I, I liked Octopath a little better. I, I thought those ranged from like, okay to pretty good. but um in this one the stories are very rushed there's not a lot of dialogue for each character i would say the best one so far is there's a a character named acellus who is a a mystic which are are sort of coded as vampires (laughs) in this game which i loved so when i started that story and i was like oh we're in a castle with a bunch of vampires that's great love it but then on the bad side, the first story I did was Emilia's, who is basically just a, a woman that gets framed for a murder and then joins an organization to help catch the guy that actually did the murder. And, and man, oh, I, I did not that sounds like, like it would be compelling. The hook is good. I like the hook. I'd play that D&D campaign. And the story itself is okay, but it's also very weirdly misogynistic it's of its era it sounds like it could be yeah well there's multiple points where you you get these different costumes based on the the mission you're doing and most of them are okay but there's like a couple occasions where the character is like oh i don't want to wear that i'm uncomfortable with that and the leader that you're working for is like well do it anyway and then you do it and then the this escalates to at some point you're trying to get onto this ship and the the leader of the organization asks you to pose as a dancer to get on the ship because the ship's captain right. is like a womanizer. Uh, and Amelia says, no, I don't want to do that. So he drugs her and sells her to the ship. <laughs> and then and then you finish and you just what? go back to working for him. And I was like, this is very weird that we're not acknowledging that this happened. Yeah, there's no amount of... Uh... <laughs> It was okay back then to explain that one away. 
Yeah, I'm pretty sure we knew that that wasn't right in yep. 1998. <laughs> no, it's just just bizarre. But um, fortunately, the other stories have all been a little better than That's that. That's good to hear. Yeah. So it's been a mixed bag overall. I guess I like it enough that I'm still playing it. But I guess is Amelia the bandage to pull off or save it for at the end, right? It's tough because she's one of the ones that I would recommend doing first because it's one of the ones that has more guidance. Uh, there's some characters that play more like a traditional RPG where they drop you in the world and they're like, okay, go do this, then this, then this, then this. Figure it out. Um, and then there's other characters like Blue where they drop you in the world and they're like, okay, oh, go beat so the game. The figure it out ones, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, so I, I feel like... I think it helped me to start with a more structured one, at least. Gotcha. I, I think I might have bounced off some of the more open ones at first. Yeah, I think Amelia and Red are the two that people recommend you starting off with, or maybe Astalis as well, because I think they've got like the structure. Um, obviously, Blue has not got that. So. And in a game that's already so esoteric, trying to, I guess, uh, mystic your way through it to find out what you have to do would probably just be exacerbated by the rest of the game's systems. Yeah, I definitely think Red is one of the other ones I did, and I definitely think him and Amelia can kind of be the, the training wheels before you do the the harder ones that just kind of let you loose right away. Now, one thing I do like the look of from Saga is just kind of like the action and the flashiness of the combat. Yes, uh, that's definitely a big part of the appeal to me, especially I knew vaguely how combat worked uh, before I played it, which was that Pretty standard turn-based, but your abilities are heavily influenced by the equipment you use, and you learn new abilities in the middle of battle. Like, you might issue a command to a character, and they will instead learn a new, better attack and do that instead. And then you now have that <laughs> cool. attack unlocked for that character. So that was neat. But what I didn't know is they have this combo system where if you use certain moves that pair with each other they happen at the same time and power each other up uh and they have very cool animations and you can combo like five moves at once so it escalates very quickly yeah, i saw a really neat video where someone was really messing up this frog and they just kept suplexing the frog <laughs> yeah i've heard suplexing <laughs> is really broken in this game as it is in all rpgs really <laughs> um so i view i guess now that you understand it a bit more have you been able to like utilize it is or is it a hard system the combo system is it hard to figure out it's a little hard to figure out without googling it which is Kind of like everything in this game, to be honest. But it's also I, where I think that the esoteric stuff works better is stuff like the combo system where I have not felt compelled to Google it. Uh, because if you just use different moves, eventually you'll see which right. ones combine with each other. Right. Uh, but there's no way of figuring that out besides just experimenting. You can trial and error it in a reasonable time frame. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. With this new update, like so you were saying, there's the possible quality of life of the new game plus carryover. Were there any other quality of life upgrades that they've made that you know of? I haven't really looked at a lot of publicity on this one, so I'm, I'm not familiar with them. But have you been finding them useful? Is the game more playable than arguably what it could have been? Yeah, I mean, it feels mostly playable. <laughs> mostly. Um, I think I could have gotten through all four of the routes that I did without looking anything up. It would have just taken me a while. Uh, but there were definitely some points where some more quality of life could maybe be good but maybe that's part of the appeal of these games to the people that like them because i think the people that are really into saga like the esoteric patrick stuff and patrick and i have had some uh some conversations about the saga uh series on this show as a matter of fact and yeah it's it's cool at parts too it's fun to discover stuff that's the appeal to me so it's cool that there's a lot of stuff to discover i've always felt that the, the like a saga game to me is just 
it's like a bunch of really cool and intriguing innovative ideas that are put in a box and then they just set the box on fire and then it's just like hey watch the box burn and it, it unfortunately it never comes together for me this is just Maybe it's because of the open world nature of the game and the, the times that these games were made. Maybe it would work better now that they that we know how to create a better open world. But I feel like there were just too many ideas and not enough things to tie them together into a coherent package for me. That was my experience with, obviously, Romance and Saga 3 with uh, the Game Boy uh, entries. And when I was very little and I rented this from Blockbuster Video, Saga Frontier. It just it, they never really it just never really came together for me as a coherent experience. I, I would generally agree with that. There have been a lot of times where I'm I've been playing it and I've thought it really just seems like they put every idea they had into this game and some of them were good and some of them were not. Yeah, my closest experience with anything saga was, I think, uh, yeah, I want, uh, definitely like a bit of that longing look um, looking at the advert for it. I think that was on the back of the Final Fantasy Tactics booklet. Something about the art, the name, I was like, this seems mystical and magical, and I want to try this. Apparently a bullet dodged. Um, but I am still very intrigued. I, I feel I'm, I mean, it's not like John and I will fight over it, but I feel like if I were to play it, I probably actually would like it and ex enjoy exploring those ridiculous esoteric aspects of the game. Hey, I'll tell you what, Greg, if you ever want to review a saga game, it's yours. I mean, I would enjoy talking about as that. As long as you. Pat's here, I'll let him keep doing it, but... Yeah, Pat's our go-to for Saga. <laughs> Alana, you're talking, uh, it sounds like you're either quite familiar with it, or did you play the original? Uh, so, no, actually, um, Saga Frontier never came out in Europe, because the PlayStation 1 era of RPGs hate us. Um, so, yeah, we never got it, and I have played and reviewed a few Saga games for the site, and have been generally pretty positive on them. Like, Romantic Saga 2 is extremely frustrating, but I am... I'm so intrigued by what these games do that I'm almost like I'm morbidly fascinated by them. Like I, I'm like I really want to play Romancing Saga 3 despite Jono's <laughs> recommendations. <laughs> and Saga Frontier and um, Saga Scarlet Grace, which came out in 2019 over here, was one of my game of the years. Like it was so good. It blew me away. Um it just felt like the most coherent application of like saga mechanics. Um Saga Frontier has always been very interesting to me, mostly because of like the seven character system as it was in back in the day, now the eight character system and the visuals, like it's got a very mana-esque yeah. sprite style very to appealing. it. It's very colourful, very watercolour. Yeah, some of the vagueness does always scare me off of Saga games, which is why I never like picked them up straight away. But like I know one of the things they added in the remaster is like a storyboard or like a timeline where you can go in and check it and see where there are like little hints oh, okay. that you, what you can do next or like so that is something that appeals to me and like i've just been very curious about it because i want to play it but i just haven't had the time to pick it up yet so it's one to one to grab yeah and, and i would recommend it to people that are interested in playing it ultimately despite my complaints i do like the game uh otherwise i would not be planning on doing all eight characters right that's a commitment <laughs> it's fascinating to me how the game has improved i mean Patrick not only wrote the, we just had the the remastered review out a couple of days ago, but he also wrote one of uh, a, re a retro review back in, what the heck, it wasn't a retro review, he wrote it back in 1999. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it, a very so a very timely review, um, a very timely review, like he says here, the game was doomed to failure in most people's opinions, but I still stand by it. He would. <laughs> um, it's the kind of game that, yeah, he would, but like you said, Brian, it's the kind of game that 
people who really connect with this type of game and this type of gameplay really connect to it and they love it. And I mean, I can't, I like, that's the joke. Patrick and I joke about it a lot. Um, but I mean, I could never fault him for loving Saga. <laughs> he loves these games and he's, and like every time he writes a review, I always eagerly read it because I love hearing what his thoughts are and his passion about the series, despite the fact that I do not share that passion. It makes for good discussion. It really does. And occasionally he does tempt me into like, oh, that does sound... No, 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 don't, don't, not for you, not for you. (laughs) So yeah, I mean, do not listen to me. If you think this sounds intriguing, buy it. Yeah, and there's tons of content if you are into all of the systems it has. Like even just the monster characters that... I don't like and ride the bench for me. If you're into the monster system and you don't want to look up a guide because you like discovering how it works, you could do that for hours. Like you could probably put 10 to 20 hours just in figuring out how monsters work. Or go play Pokemon. Yep. (laughs) I I do recall back then renting this and like game FAQs was not a thing yet. And it was, it's a, it's a dense, dense game. And there's no Sega hotline. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> not like nintendo power yeah exactly is that the one that you had yeah, yeah. that would have been amazing though the sega hotline can you help us with sonic this is the wrong number yeah you're looking for sega hotline <laughs> uh man can you imagine given one of the games we're going to be talking about shortly enough uh <laughs> if there was a hotline to contact yokotaro oh boy <laughs> <laughs> just be like rerouting you through a bunch of different numbers and then just esoteric answers to <laughs> mundane questions I wouldn't get esoteric answers. I think I would get an essentially, oh, I just want to go and have a beer kind of thing. That's definitely the way Yokotaro. <laughs> That's fair. Um, if you've ever read a Yokotaro in, um, interview, then that is definitely the energy he brings. He's like, oh, I don't want to be here. I'm just here because they pay me to do it. I love money. <laughs> you know I'm what like, you're here for. All right. <laughs> um, but so back to the saga. Um, I don't know. It, it's it's something I think I would like to try out eventually when I have the time because it. It's, it's like you said, Alana, I think the biggest thing for me is the art style, which is, you know, again, going back to staring longingly at that advert. There's something appealing about the style. There's something appealing about trying to unlock its um, <laughs> secrets that I think is worth playing. And you know, like Jono said, if you want to play it, play it. And that the the comments about the art apply to in-game and illustrated artwork. Oh, my gosh. Oh, it's amazing. Saga. Yeah. Like, you'll, you can never fault Saga for amazing character mm-hmm. art and character designs. They're so beautiful. It's my favorite. And the soundtracks. Yeah, we talked a bit yeah. about that, too, back when we were talking about the... The, the collection that we dropped on the Switch. Like, when is it on now? Final Fantasy Legends, yeah. And just yeah, like Final Fantasy how, Legend, yeah. how random the character designs seem to be. I'm like, there's a robot, person with a sword and claws, but also a machine gun? I don't know what's happening here. And and Quazo or whatever it looks like from <laughs> Monster Rancher. Like, what's happening? Anyways, it's there's a lot going on. And I I am very curious about them for because of that. Just like, how does all this make sense? How does this all come together? I need to know. I um, unapologetically, like just like uh, Pat unapologetically does love uh, Saga. I mean, I'll I'll throw mine out there, my possible shame. I unapologetically really like Final Fantasy: The Spirits Within, which is getting a remaster, and I'm kind of excited for <laughs> to see how that is going to somehow look better because it's still aged well. But yeah, I always like Spirits Within. It would have been better without Final Fantasy on it, but you know, it was the name Final Fantasy that I think poisoned it. it yeah. Definitely. Yeah, because I think it's a, a really intriguing sci-fi otherwise, but yeah, I think it was the expectations. Uh, but that's a different question. Yeah, just how much it deviated from, from those expectations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, yeah, it's it was neat. But uh, I think somebody had like a tattoo of a chocobo and that was literally the extent of Final Fantasy in it. And Sid. That was about it. And Sid, yes. 
Jono, uh, is oh, is, uh, before we move on, is Saga Frontier the remaster the one for you? Oh, yeah, I would. I'm, I'm gonna wait till the sequel personally. Oh, <laughs> no, <laughs> I was gonna say, like, Saga Frontier 2 is like one of the least popular ones as far as I'm aware. So, <laughs> that's a glowing, it's very different. It's very different. There's not this, it's a two character system, and there's no, I don't think there's a generation system either from like the romancing games. So, Nah, I think that I will. Uh, I think that I will skip this one. And uh, Alana has successfully talked me out of waiting for the sequel. So the worst one could be the best one for you, though, because it's so <laughs> different. You might be like, "Oh, I like these changes." Um, but as we kind of tease, one of the big games we're here to talk about uh, is coming out uh, as of this recording tomorrow in the future. Uh, but by the time the episode launches for you, it's been out for a bit. Uh, Near Replicant version square root of five is that right 1.5 yeah so square root of uh, 1.5 <laughs> yeah so it's 1.22474487139 reoccurring so yeah and Lana, you reviewed that one for us uh which <sighs> uh yeah this is a remaster of near right correct yeah um not it's kind of in between a remaster and a remake so um essentially like the models have been rebuilt the areas have been like redesigned and prettied up and the combat has been redone one of the bigger fears and it's kind of like do you remember when xenoblade uh, chronicles definitive edition came out last year you know how like yeah. muddy the wii version of that game looks like there's definitely a lot more and the character models are kind of there's something very expressive about them but almost ugly and i mean that in a nice way it's a similar <laughs> thing with the original near um i i can confirm we we recently started the original just in preparation for replicant uh recently and yes yeah there's definitely it's definitely i mean kv are the studio behind the original near and um the dragon guard games because near is a spin-off of dragon guard in particular dragon guard ending ending d or e it's one of the last endings and go look that up it's uh it's a hell of an ending, put it that way. Um, but yeah, it's it's in between a remaster and a remake. Um, yeah, the character models are way prettier, I would say. They're definitely animated up. Like, they're definitely more in line with the automata aesthetic. Like, you can see there's a clearer, like, ley line between the two games visually. And yeah, the environments and the lighting are way better this time around. So. Nice. I mean, the last one had a lot of atmosphere anyways. I don't remember it looking bad, but it's nice that they found somehow a way to improve on it yeah there's definitely character to the original ps3 game and like i think in certain ways like that muddy aesthetic does lend itself because you know this is a an apocalypse or you know it's a deserted area there's not many people around it the villagers are famished it's not it's it's not it's not a nice world you just make the best with what you've got and i also think developers were like contractually obligated to put a muddy filter over all their graphics back in the era of this game just because the little bit of no joke, like the little bit of muddiness made the graphics look a little bit better in a weird way. Hid the pixels. Yeah, like the Silent Hill effect. Like we have to put mist in the game because yeah. we can't d display everything in front of it. Yeah. Because there are a lot of games from this era that muddy would describe quite accurately. Mm, yeah, the PlayStation 3 era is a strange one, I think. It's just a shame, but... Take the sharpness and turn it to negative 25. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Um, but yeah, um, has anyone here... Obviously, Hillary, I know you're currently playing through Nier and you have played Automata, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Has anyone else played? I've never played the original Nier. I've played the... And I was very curious about it and curious about Drakengard because riding a dragon, that sounds cool. But then it kind of got horribly panned. And then when I heard about Nier being launched and that somehow the two were, com were like connected... 
And then we get Automata, and I'm like, what? It's all very baffling, but I've done the demo of Automata, so that's the farthest I've gone, and I thought it was great, and I've always wanted to go back. It's on my want backlog. (laughs) For anyone worried, like, you don't need to have played Automata, and if you have, then that's really cool, because there's some really cool little references that they've added in. There's nothing explicit, so I... One of the key things in my review, I think, and it's worth saying here, is like, don't go in expecting an Automata style re-release because this has not really got Platinum Games involvement in. They're like, um, the team are like, they were in consultation with Toylogic, who have been responsible for a number of re-releases. I believe they worked on the Dragon Quest Eleven Switch port, so they have a pretty good pedigree behind them. And... Yeah, you don't need to know anything about Automata's story because this came out before, um, but there's some tiny little references in there if you have played it. Like, some of the areas have been redesigned slightly, so there's, like, little hints of, like, the future. And Uh-huh. I noticed that, actually, for the first time. I <laughs> it's very cool. There's, there's some, like, obvious links you can tell, like, with the desert area and stuff in the original, but, like, it's even clearer in the remaster, for sure, or the re-release. Um... But yeah, don't go in expecting like Platinum Games style action combat and don't go in expecting like, I don't know, just like I think level expectations because this is a really excellent re-release. But as Jono said earlier with like the visuals of this era, like it kind of stands that this is still a PS3 game with all its little kinks and all its little awkward things and, you know, like it's wonderful. I, I, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sound like I'm exaggerating here. I think Near Replicant and Near Automata probably have the two best written Japanese RPG stories currently. Like, they're, they're so. Automata is extremely good at making you think about grand philosophical ideas. It does it very obviously in some ways, but it does it in a way that's very compelling. And uh, Replicant is definitely way more of an emotional gut punch. Um, It's very personal and it focuses on... Essentially, the plot is that the main character, his sister, is ill with a disease called the Black Scroll, and he's trying to find a way to save her. He's basically trying to make money to save her. And then one day he comes across this magical book called Grimoire Vice, who is the sassiest, like, cockiest thing in the world. And Voiced by Liam O'Brien. <laughs> voiced by the excellent Liam O'Brien, who is wonderful, and I love him. And I will never hear Liam O'Brien as anyone but Akihiko Sonata from Persona 3. <laughs> um, did you say sister, Alana? I did, yes. So there's one thing worth clarifying. Um, the original Nier we got, this is very complicated. We got a Xbox 360 exclusive version from Japan, which had a dad as the main character. And Yeah, I thought that was the in the original thing. It was the dad, wasn't it? Yeah, so it was a father looking after his daughter. Right. And that was called Nier Gestalt in Japan. And that was Xbox 360 exclusive in Japan. And we got it on both consoles. But that was the only version we got. And Japan had their PS3 version was called Nier Replicant with a capital C. And it starred a teenage and young adult version which is now the version we've got and is it's really the true version but you can never tell what's true with yogatara or not with these kind of things so why that's such a weird thing to do like let's redo the whole game but with dad instead what it was a marketing <laughs> thing so um yogatara always wanted it to be a teenage or you know a younger protagonist and that makes sense like we're used to that in the japanese rpg market i think yeah. um but 
they Square Enix said that the dad side was more viewed as more marketable in the West, and so they wrote an into it. That's so it's weird. so weird, isn't it? In a way, like in 2010, like dad narratives weren't like massive. You know, The Last of Us hadn't happened, and we hadn't had like this string of like RPGs that focus on father daughter or father children relationship. Developers weren't our age yet, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, luckily there's not tons of differences between the two apart from obviously the relationship between the father or the protagonist and the daughter or sister Yona. Um, and there's a couple of script changes obviously to accommodate for ages and make it not weird. Mm, there's some things weird about the original <laughs> Nier, um, that I won't get into here. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, so yeah, it's a younger protagonist. And so the protagonist gets this book and he thinks he can find these things called the sealed verses which will be able to cure the black scroll and it all sounds simple enough but like there's a for lack of a better word there's a tone and a mood to a i don't want to assign it all to yoko taro but there's a there's like a mood to these kinds of games that kavia produced and then were put in the hands of yoko taro and saito and akabe and a bunch of people from kavia who splintered off to go to square enix to make these games like they, there's nothing else that quite feels like them like you can't really i can't really ever like there's like this undercurrent of melancholy you always feel uncomfortable and on your toes but then when it's funny it's like an uncomfortable kind of laughter and it does a really good jump of balancing like the weird the serious and the humorous but in a way that give you that cathartic release it's a it's very cathartic yeah um on that mental health podcast we recorded last year, I believe, I can't remember if Hillary or Lucy Gray asked the question, but one of the questions you asked was like, uh, do you ever go, what, is there a particular video game you ever go to or think about that, like, like to make yourself feel better? And like, I, I said near because I actually enjoy playing games that make me feel sad when I feel rubbish, like, <laughs> which is a bit of a... It's a fine line. And I think we talked a little bit about that too. Like, sometimes you can use that to kind of identify and work through whatever you're going through. But then right. for other people that might not work because it's too much and it ends up piling on. Yeah, it can stimulate the emotions it's like listening to sad music because you're just like i the feelings are there there's something blocking me from feeling unsafe or something to express them so i'm gonna put myself into this safe state mm -hmm. and now i'm gonna feel them yeah exactly yeah it's ex cathartic is exactly the word i would use that you said earlier so yeah um so yeah like the premise itself is pretty simple but um there's nothing simple about this game beyond that those opening hours like there are bizarre quests bizarre characters there are multiple endings there are the there are some big twists throughout the game that just come feel logical they come out of nowhere but like you're kind of blindsided and you you get the time to process them which i think is really important like near replicant is a very good game at pacing you like it allows you to pace yourself but also like there are these real good moments of calm and I think like the characters kind of lend themselves to that. Like the cast of Grimov Ice, uh, Kaine, who is a very, very colourful woman who very is very expressive with her words and she's amazing. And then there's Emil, who if you've played Automata, you probably know as the little boy with the skeleton face and he's precious and has a little cinnamon bun. Uh, but yeah, there's just... It just does so much to like balance everything so well that you come out of it feeling very satisfied. And even if it's really difficult at times, like 
it's so worth it. If you don't mind me butting in a little bit, like of course, you kind of get an idea of what you're in for just from the opening. Oh yeah, yeah, because <laughs> you get some like standard RPG kind of footage, but one of the first things you hear is Kaine yelling at and cursing at Grimar Vice because of something that's going on, and it's just like, oh wow, that's that's unexpected. Yeah. It sets a really interesting tone. It really does. And that, interestingly, was not in the original Japanese release, that opening. Um, it was a very different intro. And actually, on the remaster or replicant, um, it you have both versions. You have the Japanese one, which is just like a trailer that shows you everything. And then the second splash opening is that monologue. And they used it as part of the marketing recently, very recently. And I was almost disappointed. I wanted it to be a surprise for everybody because everyone was like, is it in? Is it in? Is it in? And I was like, yeah, it's in. Because it's famous. Like, everybody <laughs> raves about it. It's so good. Um, but yeah, there's just enough, like, subtlety to that game that like you can tell from the offset that it's, it's going to be unlike anything you've ever played before. Like, unless you've played Automata or any of the Dragon God games. I don't really think you're going to know what you're getting yourself into, um, which is very, very cool. Like, yeah. I can't stress enough how well written and how well paced this game is and how good it how good it tells its story. But, and it plays with your expectations a little bit. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Like, if you can tell everything that happens, then I'd be really surprised. And, like, the multiple playthroughs, which, again, Automata does as well, um... There's things to look out for. That's all I'm going to say from there. Like, I'm not going to go any further than that. People who've played it will know, but yeah. And you don't have to replay the entire game, luckily. It's just the second half of the game. Oh, okay. Which is still annoying. <laughs> That's one of my bigger problems with Nier, um, is the, it's pretty repetitive. Like, there's that PS3 style kind of like semi-open world game where you have like, well, it's like a contained area, but like, there is so much backtracking. So much. Like Final Fantasy thirteen. So much. Um, gosh, is there backtracking in Final Fantasy thirteen? There's not backtracking, no. I was more referring to like the contained open world area that comes very late. Uh oh god, like Grand Pulse. Um kinda, yeah. There's like multiple towns, but like just you go between like all of them like about four or five times within the f six times maybe within the first half of the game and then if you add side quests somewhere like bravely yeah yeah but bravely's got like a world map and everything so it's just a lot bigger but this is like oh you've got to go and do this fetch quest and do this and that and even through the story like it, it pushes you back and forth and you don't get like a quick travel system until like the 60 percent mark of the game which yeah. <laughs> it's I hate to say this, it's probably deliberate, unfortunately. Like, I think Taru has a history of doing things like this. Like, I mean, you don't get it for a while on Automata because they're trying to program these machines to get the transport systems to work. And I'm assuming because because Near Replicant is like almost it I don't want to say medieval again, because that's not what it is, but it's like a it's like a typical fantasy setting. Like it's very sprawling fields. You got seaside it. town yeah like there's there's no quick stuff here don't worry you can ride a boar though and you can drift on the boar so yeah yeah there's that but yeah like i'm super high on so many things about this game like i just I, I played it first i played the original in 2016 and love the story um they fix a lot of my issues with the combat which is generally it's faster it's much more responsive it's a lot smoother it's it's, it's action, action right? yeah. So it's all so 
yeah, you have one weapon for most of the game, and then later on you get three weapons, a sword, a, a broadsword, a one-handed sword, a two-handed sword, and a spear. And again, this is probably spoiling something here for like gameplay-related things. In the original, you had to go into menus and swap them. In Replicant, you can quick swap between all three of them. And it's so, so much better. It's like, there's no massive changes to the combat. Like, again, it's not automata style, stylish, pretty cool and everything. Um, It's way better than what was in the original, which was kind of clunky and, you know, very basic. It's still basic. And it, it, you can get through most stuff just by attacking and dodging and using magic, which is um, you get pretty progressively throughout the story. It's not hard to get everything. Um, but yeah, like I sound like I've been very mixed on it. But yeah, it's hard because like I totally love these games like Automata. I reviewed Automata when it came out as well. And like I was totally in love with it. And it just recontextualized everything for the original Nier and I recently replayed Automata in anticipation for this and it really recontextualized a lot of my feelings on this game as well. Like, it's just... It just does so many things. Your review was pretty positive. Oh, it was very positive, yeah. Like, it's a case of, like... it, 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 You'd almost have to remake it to make it any better, I think. Like, it's very weird and it's very unusual, but it's very, very beautiful like i i can't get anything else like this from any other game and i'm so glad it's got a re-release because you know a lot of people didn't have a ps3 or like bad word of mouth you know like the original near didn't have the best reception in the world we gave it we scored it very highly and people will notice this if they dig around both reviews for near on rpg fan the original are higher than mine I would not have scored this higher. I would not have scored it as high as that, but I completely get why. It's there's such it's such an intricate game that's so clever with how it like drip feeds information and teaches messages about kindness and found family and queer representation and it it's extremely good at, at pulling on your heartstrings and really getting you involved like if you don't if you don't feel anything by like the like at least halfway through it then i don't know what to tell you kind of thing so everything just works together so perfectly and even more so in the re-release i think like it's it's a wonderful game and i'm so glad it's more accessible caveats and all like you just go you know (laughs) just go in and expect expect whatever but yeah, I'm excited to... It's been really fun to read people's impressions today and will be for the rest of the week because lots of people picking this up will probably have only have played Automata. So, like, Hillary and, <laughs> you know, it'll be really, really interesting. You'll get the full yeah. story now. Sounds like you've more or less wrapped up, but does anyone have some questions or anything else to throw to Lana? It looked like John yeah, I could, to get uh, something. I could ask a question or two out of curiosity. Um, <laughs> something I wanted to ask you about because I, do, I have not played... I have not played either of these games. I am tremendously tempted by uh, by uh, Automata. I've been for a while because it looks like nothing else I think I've ever seen in a video game. And this game certainly reflects that. It, it just sounds like, I don't know why when you're talking about this writer, it just, I'm getting almost David Lynchian vibes. Not in the sense of like weirdness or suburbia, but like an artist who 
create something unlike any unlike anybody else could create. Oh yes, Otur is absolutely a word that is used in pairing with Yoko Taro. Yeah, definitely. Um, I wanted to ask you about the music because please do <laughs> <laughs> because uh, just looking at the uh, looking at the original page on RPG Fan, uh, ignoring the fact that Patrick also was one of the ones who reviewed this game. Patrick has reviewed everything. Um, oh yeah. yeah, he also has reviewed one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten albums of music reviews, and you even have one here. Um, and in fact, I believe it was part of your music of the year uh, in a story just a little while ago. I was wondering, can you talk about the music for a little bit? Oh god, yeah. Um, so, I know it's not quite uh, an hour wheelhouse, that maybe it's on another podcast, but I'd like to hear a little bit about it anyway. <laughs> uh, so yeah, um, the music in the original game is one of my favorite soundtracks ever and automata as well the re-release is almost as good i would say like there is so the music company behind it like keiji okami is the name that's uh, obviously well known and famous but manaka is the company that he works in and that does the music for these games uh again like if you've ever heard any which i know greg you're hearing now because of the brave x uh, event going on right now um but uh yeah there's just something really really unique about the soundscapes like Akabe worked on Tekken games before um joining together and Nier is his first collaboration with um Yoko Taro and Kavia and yeah there's just absolutely nothing else like it like there's I use words like ethereal to describe it but really you can't really just attune one word to it but like oh it's the way it's used in game like yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, like, I, I'm a big fan of dynamic music, and by that, and I don't know if that's the correct term, it's, like, music that shifts depending on what you're doing in-game, so, like, you get, like, I don't know, I'm going to use Skies of Arcadia as an example because it's the first one that comes to my head, but, like, when you're on a world map and you're in a certain kingdom, the instrumentation changes based on where you are, so, like, uh, guitars will play if you're in uh, NASA, which is the moon ki- the Red Moon Kingdom, or if you go to the, gra- uh, the Green Moon Kingdom, it'll change to drums, the rhythm, so... Um, Nier does this thing yeah, yeah like where like it, certain characters sing you walk up to them and their vocals get louder you go inside a building it will swap to a different version of that song uh, you go into a fight and it will come another different version of that song and there's just such a blend of interesting instrumentations like there's so much choral music in in particular Nier and Nier Replicant like vocals Emmy Evans is the, the main singer for the original game and for this re-release and she came up with her own language uh, called Chaos Language, which is a blend of five different languages. So it's Japanese and English for definite, but um, three other European languages, I believe. Um, and so it's weird. incredible. Like, it, it makes sense. Like, you still manage to get the, like this like feel of emotion from it. And yeah, like, again, every song like pairs, like with the visuals, everything pairs together so perfectly to create a mood like there's there's nothing else like the near music and and the dragon god 3 soundtrack as well which is equally excellent and also composed by okabe but nothing comes near nothing comes near i yeah i would say that like there's probably only one soundtrack (laughs) i like more and that's just because it's a classic but i mean that's just ranking the yeah like yeah there's nothing like these soundtracks at all it's amazing and the remasters soundtrack is really good. There were some worries about like over instrumentation, as I know, like you can get worried about with remasters. I would say 
about 95% of the soundtrack is as good, which, you know, you're, re- you're redoing some of my favorite video game music. I'm not going to complain about different versions massively, so. Yeah, it's, yeah, I, I, I love that about Trials of Mana. I'm looking forward to it from Legends of Mana. Oh, me too. It's always nice when they don't, I mean, there's always a chance it can get broken, but it, like you like to think of if they're mastering the instrumentation then it's probably going to usually turn out better even if it's just the same yeah stuff. and it's all the same composers back again so that's good yeah, absolutely yeah i've only really heard a lot of the automata soundtrack and like ethereal is a very good way to it's like it's a very haunting mm. uh soundtrack definitely i found it very interesting that you gave it i'm gonna you gave you gave the game an 85 in your review and uh yeah. I actually appreciate this because it. I mean, we've talked about this in the past, and it seems like this is a series that uh, touches you on a very deep level. Um, and you love this series, and you gave it an eighty-five. And I can relate because I don't think I've given. I think I've given Yakuza Like a Dragon a ninety, but everything else has been like mid eighties. I don't think you necessarily need to be able need to like give something a high ninety or like a flawless, a flawless. Oh, this is the best game ever to realize just how good it can be and how deeply it can hit certain people. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. And like, this is probably a discussion for another day, um, but like, I don't really, uh, video game review scores are extremely restrictive in some ways. And like, I agree. a lot of people will read the review and go to the numbers. Like we do some really cool Instagram cards of reviews and they are so cool. And I kind of want like a little folder full of all of mine. Cause that would be amazing. Um, It'd be a lot. Um, and yeah. <laughs> yep. Are there, yeah, like you hit the nail on the head. Like I am extremely passionate and I'm in love with this series and I would not stop to recommend anyone playing or um, Replicant, especially Automata because Automata was the first editor's choice I ever gave on this site. And like, I do not regret that at all. Like it is a phenomenal game and Replicant is a phenomenal game in certain ways, but it's a less phenomenal game in other ways to me. Or, like, it's not even a great game in certain ways. Like, the, just the repetitiveness and some of the new additions, I will not say what here because the game is so new. Um, one in particular, I mean, most of them I really like. There's one in particular that I am very, very interested to hear other people's opinions on because even like today there's not really a lot being said about it but there's been a lot of suspicions from fans that it's going to be added and it may have been i'm not confirming or denying <laughs> people will have figured it out by the time this episode <laughs> goes up uh but yeah i'm really interested to see that so yeah like you can have you can have issues with stuff and love it like you know um yeah i never i never put the scores down first is what i'm saying i guess like read the words that the read the because like pat again Pat loves Saga Frontier. 86 is only, if we're going to be really picky, is one point higher than 85, mm-hmm. right? And the passion from his review is like, yeah, like you absolutely get why he loves this game. But at the end of the day, like... I, I completely agree. I'm, I'm just asking because it's been on my mind a fair bit lately, just in terms of reviews. And I, 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 I've reviewed a number of uh, uh, two Yakuza games very recently. Um, and I just was looking at the scores. I was like, I love these games so much. I love this series so much. Why don't I score it higher? And that, it re- and yeah. it, I, I don't actually have an answer to that. I don't think you need one. I think you just got to, like I say, I don't put the scores down until I've written the review. Um, but I have to take into consideration everything. And 
yeah, I th- I do think hard about the scores. That's definitely not what I want to imply to anyone listening to this. But like, the words are more important than the numbers at the end of the review. And like, again, I would recommend this to anybody. Like, Indivisible, Tales of Asperia, they're two other games that I love that I gave the same score to. But they have problems and you have to acknowledge that. And I'm extremely biased because I do love Nier so mm. much. But you can you can love something despite its flaws, so it's just you're, you're real. Yeah, human. exactly. It's also an old thing where someone will look at an eighty five and go, uh and you're like, What are you talking about? An eighty five is a very, very high score. Extremely high, yeah. If I got, if I, I was saying yeah. to a friend, like I, the way I put it is like, if I got eighty-five out of a hundred on an exam test, I would be damn pleased with that. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Anything over seventy-five is good, in my books. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. I'll always strive for higher, but like. <laughs> Absolutely, and like, yeah, yeah, like the reviews have been all over the place. Like a lot have been really positive, and a lot have been like down lower. But yeah, like this, this game is really, really good. But just do not expect like. A remake it is not a remake it is not a remaster it is a re-release that has been touched up a lot and rewired slightly but not enough to make it a ps4 caliber style rpg in the gameplay department but it's definitely like the right the best version absolutely yeah i would recommend it over the original um can i so. suggest i know that i don't know what the significance is in the game but from everything you've said about it and it's not a re-release it's not a re-release not a remaster it's like uh it's it's version one point two two four seven four four eight seven one three nine. It's it's not version two. It's not version two. It's not even there. version one point five. It's it seriously. It's like point two two four seven nah, 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 more than it used to be. Maybe pretty much. Yeah, there's <laughs> new there's new stuff there. It's been touched up, but it's not. It is still, if you played it, it is still the same game you love with a different lead character, but the story is still the same, the relationship's still the same, the the dialogue's been reworked, the voice acting's been redone, but it's still the same game. It's kind of like it got patched. Pretty much, like a big patch. I've just been looking at this number and trying to figure out what the hell it is for, for longer than this podcast, and, I, and after you were finished talking, I was like, I have a, I have a, I have a theory about this. It's the, it's the square root of 1.5, Jono. It's all it is. Ah, uh, yes, of course. <laughs> uh, wonderful. Um, I'm glad this is out. Do you think... I mean, I assume this is doing well enough. Do you think that will get Drakengard re-releases? <laughs> I'd like another go. I would love that. Like, given this and I... Given this and the popularity, Automata sold like 5 million copies at this point, which is ridiculous for what was a sequel to a you know, a game that essentially shut that and Dragon God 3, like kind of shut Cavia down near in Dragon God 3. Um, they didn't make the money back on near, or they barely did. Um, so I'd love to see that, especially because there are, um, I don't know. Um, I haven't listened to the last episode of random yet. <gasps> what a confession to make on the podcast, but like, it's okay. I, I haven't listened to it yet Ka- either. <laughs> <laughs> I did. And I edited it. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I assume. Did Caitlin talk about, uh, 5.5 for Final Fantasy XIV at all? Uh, no, we did we, no, we ran out of time, ah, sure, we didn't get okay. to it. Okay, so there is uh, a brand new near raid in uh, Final Fantasy XIV, 5.5. That makes sense. And there are a lot of Dragon Guard references, and from what a friend has been telling me, 
I need to play Drakengard. <laughs> and people will tell me not to because apparently it plays bad, like bad. And But I want to. I want to put myself through that torture just to see what's going on. It's, it's worth it, I think. So I hope it gets, I do hope it gets remastered because I feel like, yeah, or even just a port. <laughs> so, because it allows people to re-experience this. Yeah. Well, Square Enix has been going on about porting up the back catalog and I guess that's part of their back catalog now. Probably. I'm not actually sure who owns the Dragon yeah. Guard license. Who has but yeah. The yeah. Well, they're rapidly running out of new uh, old Saga games to re-release for the first time. So <laughs> they got to re-release something eventually. Yeah, Square's... Their, their porting strategy is is baffling to me. I mean, I'm glad that we're getting Saga remasters, but I was very surprised when I read that, you know, that that's what they're remastering. <laughs> yeah, and they're going to continue doing it, aren't they? Because um, Kawazu said in an interview that he wanted to do Saga Frontier 2 next, and eventually Unlimited Saga, and I feel like most people most people know about the Saga, front, Saga series through Unlimited Saga's pretty awful reception. Like, that game got absolutely destroyed when it came out. Like, what's left? Uh, live a Live, or Live Alive. Um, uh, Bam at Lagoon. I I would love to see Live Alive. We all got our hopes up for that, like, stream, didn't we? Um, last year. I really wanted it, and it didn't come of anything, so I was like... Live Alive. Live Alive is unbelievably oh, cool. So, it sounds so interesting. I want... Um, I'll take Front Mission Remasters. Our mission three and four. Please. I very specifically want the PSP version of Final Fantasy IV. Yes. It's crazy to me that that's only on PSP. It's wild, isn't it? Yeah, that is the best version of that game. That's the one that comes with the After Years, right? I think so. Yes, it does. It does come with the After Years. The After Years is available on other platforms, but it uses the same graphic style of the Final Fantasy IV remake, 3D remake. Right. Nice. And I want the and I want the War of the Lions port. Get it off the PSP and on my Steam account, please. They can leave the after years where it is, wherever it is, in a ditch somewhere. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I still want to play it, but I heard yeah. Yeah, it didn't didn't land well. Treasure of the Rudras. Rudra? Yeah, Treasure yes. of the Rudras. Uh, this yeah. is, That's come up so often, yeah. This is a game I would love to see released by, uh, as, a, uh, as a lost classic. Oh my god, there's so many I would love to see. Like, just being in Europe and or in the UK and not getting so many, like, Super Nintendo or ps1 rpgs like you know legend of mana is coming out in june and we never got legend of mana either so that's great that's i can finally play that legally like that's brilliant i'm so excited i am for you. very excited i don't know when i'll get to it but like it's pretty high up on i will get to this in the next 12 months so i mean i can see its weirdness like there's definitely i guess as you were talking about saga Brian, I was like, oh, I can see some of those weird intricate systems and esoteric systems that don't really get really well explained in Legend of Mana baffling people in kind of the same way. But for me, I was like, that's kind of interesting and fun. Yeah, I think there's a very fine line that is extremely difficult to walk in. Esoteric enough that I can get into it and want to explore it, or so esoteric that I just don't want to engage. Um, well, we're going to, I think, quickly round things out here because we're running... Running long now, and uh, I know I, uh, I was going to prompt Alana with a fun question for us uh, that we'll all quickly kind of throw some answers out as I've been doing lately. Uh, Alana, what do you what do you got for us? What's what are you challenging the panel oh, with? Oh well, I was going to ask something music related actually. Um, so I don't know whether you'll have a quick answer, but is there any 
this might be a really bizarre question. It's very me because like it's related to Nier. But like, has there ever been like a piece of video game music that you cannot listen to because you have so much attachment to something that happened in game? Very specifically, like you have like a real emotional attachment to kind of thing that you just cannot listen to without either thinking of it or you struggle to listen to it out of the context because it's just really it brings up emotions i suppose is what i'm getting at like Hmm. i can't say as i have stuff that i cannot listen to because of it but i definitely have those songs that almost always elicit just a strong emotion and like for me it was um it's, it comes from Final Fantasy VII is usually where a lot of that really hits for mm. me. And it's Aerith's theme and Anxious Hearts are two themes that just always get me. Sometimes more emotional than others. But like there's just – it just hits me right in that nostalgia. Takes me right back to where I was as a, uh, in my life, uh, in my youth with those games and just how that music makes me feel. Like every time it just hits me. The fact that Aerith's theme is the first thing I ever learned to really – or why I learned to play piano so I could mm-hmm. finally play that song. Like, There's that connection as well. It's just – there's a lot in there for me. And yeah, it, it hits me in the cockles of my heart every time I hear it. But I definitely uh, don't stay away from it. I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I don't know that I have any that, I, that affect me quite to that extent in that way. I think I might have one. Um, when I was a kid, uh, I just – I mean, I didn't even have an – I didn't even have a mp3 player because it didn't exist yet um but i did have uh there was an album uh it was a remix album of chrono trigger called the brink of time and i would that's a good one it's a great one but i would literally just like walk around my town and listen to the first track the remix of chrono trigger uh the theme from chrono trigger uh, and for some reason, whenever I hear, there's a voice in the middle of it that says, it's the beginning of a new and entirely different story, 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 story. And whenever I hear that, I just go, yeah. I get yeah. this weird like sense that I'm still walking. And it's yeah. not something I want to listen to all the time because it, it immediately triggers something in me. But sometimes, you know, it's nice. If I'm going out for a walk, if I'm listening to something on random and, and that uh, version of Chrono Trigger comes on, I'm like, oh yeah, okay, I'm about to get some feels. <laughs> Shoots you right back. And what is it for you, Alana, that prompted the question? Uh, well, there's a song in Automata called Vague Hope, Cold Rain, and it happens at one of the ends of one of the endings. It plays a few times, but in particular, it plays at the end of an ending. Something happens in that ending, and I cannot separate the image from the music. And yeah. Oh, is that the one with the... There's like a really deep, dark moment that I remember someone talking about with one of the characters that just wants things to be done or something. I don't want to go too much into it, but is it, I feel like that song was brought up with that. But maybe I'm... I might be thinking of a different event to you, but there is an event like that, and it's from the first game. Um, but there are there are multiple moments like that in the second game. But yeah, I get weirdly attached to things, so I think it was a very me specific question. It's allowed. Yeah, I, I I get very attached to music and visuals. So nothing wrong with it. It's just it's. I mean, I. I cannot think of an artist who would not be gratified to hear you say that. Yeah, I, I'd like to think so, definitely. Well, thank you, though. It's, uh, it's nice reminiscing on that. There is a, a very transportive and transformative power to music, which, again, we, we discussed it on Rhythm Encounter. Those of you who, for some reason, don't know we have that podcast. It's a good one. Uh, and Yeah. And the, yeah, like, <laughs> I mean, I've most of the reviews I've written so far for music were from games I hadn't played yet, and it was just all was based on the imagery that I was in my own mind based on listening to a soundtrack before I'd even played the game and then playing the game and realizing how close that was because of how 
accurately the music is doing uh, its job to capture the emotion of the moment or the imagery. It's just, yeah, I, I, I do not fault you or think it's weird at all that you're that connected to it. Yeah. I, yeah. I just enjoy forming emotional connections to video games, which is why I like Nier so much. Like, I just like games that make you think and feel a lot. So, yeah, they're pretty perfect. Well, folks, that brings us to another uh, end of an episode, I would say. Well, we had to have Hillary leave us uh, pretty quick, so uh, she didn't have an answer for us on that question. At any rate, uh, if you want to give us feedback, podcast at rpgfan.com is where you can reach us and uh, hopefully send me something other than the scads of spam and scam mail I get. Uh, I have no desire to buy um, dash cam technology. Uh, if you want to uh, check out some other podcasts, we got a few of those as we tease. There's Rhythm Encounter for all of your RPG music needs. We have Retro Encounter, which we also talked about in this episode, which uh, goes back to old game logs and discussions about uh, certain specific game topics from the past. And then, of course, we have uh, the Phoenix Edge podcast with Hatton and Eric that uh, talks a bit more about current events. So you got you got something, a little bit of everything out there uh otherwise uh thank you so much for listening folks you can find us all kinds of places on the web by searching rpgfan.com and uh for myself jono alana hillary and brian thank you so much for listening bye now i'd wave goodbye but i can no longer raise my hand